Welcome to the Televerse, the podcast just for TV. Because it's great, we're lucky they make so many fine programs to see. Your also and Kate like to debate the merits of all that they've seen. Comedy, genre, reality, drama, and anything that's in between. Welcome to the Televerse, less of the show. Hello and welcome to the Televerse. This is Kate Kalsik, joined as ever by Noel Kirkpatrick. Noel, how's it going this week? I'm kind of getting over a cold, a little bit of a cold. That's not fun. Yeah, I got a cold from my person mm. um, this weekend, uh, which is entirely my fault. I shouldn't have been kissing her. But <laughs> um, yeah, so I got a cold from her and it's all her fault. Yeah. But I'm almost over it. So I, that that feels good. I feel like you're okay with that, too. Yeah, to no, I'm, I'm okay with it. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. okay. <laughs> um, How are you? Uh, well, this this week started really bad and then got much better, so that's good. So I'll take much better, and I don't want to get it. In, there was some family stuff that popped up, but we literally beat the odds, and so so right Woo! now everything looks good. So that's as much that's as I'll good. say here. I'm but happy to hear uh, that. but yeah, so th- this could have been a very different <laughs> podcast today, uh, and instead um, it, we, there will be there's plenty of depressing news. We're not talking about that, though. We're going to kick things off with some listener feedback because we got an email. Yeah. It's very exciting. So this is okay. I'm going to say Vincennes. Is that what you think, Noel? I I feel like that's as close as either of us is probably going to get. Yes. (laughs) This is from from Germany. One of our listeners who reached out. Thank you so much for writing. Um, And it was it was like the email. um, So we're just going to talk about just some of the parts of it. Uh, But thank you so much for writing in. And it was really thoughtful and, and interesting. First of all, little back pat. Apparently, Noel, we got Vincennes uh, to like be more open to Sam B. Yeah. Uh, so like that's pretty amazing. That's high five. Blazer high five for us. Absolutely. That's the Skype mm-hmm. high five. I feel like we can be done now because like yeah, we're done. Everything this else is, is show, cake. Everyone. Yeah. No, that's that's not happening. <laughs> I'm like, no, what did I do? <laughs> um, but but it was. You'll never know what our top twenty for 2017 was. Ne- well, that, oh gosh, don't don't tempt me because I I do have on my list of stuff to do. Like it's all at the bottom, but like mm-hmm. you do need to actually start thinking about that. Kate is on there, and I, I dread it so much. Sure. So much. Anyways, uh, but Vincenzo is from Germany, and so he was he was talking in his email about. Uh, um, his experiences in Germany uh, around some of the issues because he talked about that we are both very vocally uh, like out, we're very outspoken about feminist issues and LGBTQ representation on the podcast and um, that's not necessarily what you find in other TV podcasts and I'm totally cool with that <laughs> but like so that's a different a thing that we're doing but he was talking about his experiences with those issues and and um, working in a male dominated field and. And how, like, the discussion around uh, around women's experiences in the workplace recently has, has, you know, opened his eyes a little bit more to, to what women experience. And listening, he talked about listening to friends and coworkers who, uh, who are women who, you know, like, like, being open to those conversations and starting those conversations and then and learning from them. And I th- thought that was totally just... A, that's exactly what we need i speaking as a woman that's what we need everyone to be doing is to be open to listening and listening so that was just made my little podcast heart grow two sizes 
Yeah, no, it was very nice uh, to get that kind of feedback. And um, we were treated also to just a sort of like discourse about LGBTQIA topics within uh, Germany, particularly within uh, East Germany. Mm -hmm. East Germany? Yeah, East Germany. Yes. Um, I had to do compass things real quick. And no, it was really fascinating and really, really interesting. So I appreciated him reaching out. And also I wanted to let him know that um, Totally Tubular, which was the podcast over at TV.com that front of the show, Corey Barker was the co-host on, uh, unceremoniously ended without any warning uh, when CBS Interactive decided just to kind of turn the site into a digest for TVGuide.com. And they wanted to do their own podcasts, which they've never, ever done. Mm-hmm. So that's what happened to Totally Tubular. I'm sorry, Vincent. <laughs> yeah, I might still be subscribed to like on my podcaster. <laughs> like it's been a while since I went. I have like a set of feeds that just like never update anymore, and that yeah. might still be on there. I should probably... Yeah, you should probably take that down. It's never ever going to be updated ever again. Oh, tears, <laughs> tears. Yeah. Um, one of the things that was mentioned as well in the email was talking about how. It was just in October that same-sex couples were allowed to marry in Germany for the first time. And apparently the... Because this is stuff that I... You know, like, I remember hearing about that when it was going down. Um, and this is, like, the idea... Like, finding out that Angela Merkel, who seems so progressive in so many ways, is really bad on, on equal marriage, marriage rights and everything. And just that, like, sinking in... Um, but but apparently it was sort of like a oh crap we're out of, we're going out of power we got voted out better make sure we get this through before we leave kind of thing yeah. and that's led to some you know conflict and um I, i'm reminded of uh in wisconsin the recall on walker where there he didn't get recalled because while a lot of like the majority of people did not like governor walker enough people said well i think he's horrible and he shouldn't be in this office but this is not the way to do it you're not allowed to use a a recall for that um and that's the thing where like i don't i just i don't disagree (laughs) with what you did but i disagree with how you like that kind of conversation which Mm -hmm. is like i get it but at the same point i also don't like i I do and it just it's a quagmire of morality of like at a certain point, does it really matter? But then also they should have gotten off their butts and done like past marriage equality so much earlier because that's the like human being correct, obvious, right thing to do. Um, but yeah, so, but that was very interesting. So, so I really appreciated, you know, getting that window in as well. Um, and then, then we also got two DVD shelf recommendations. Um, one for number one, all caps was Everwood with an exclamation mark. Yeah. Yeah. And best period family period show period ever period. Well, and with a, uh, a, a young Chris Pratt too. Yeah. Yeah, yep. but I've I've never seen Everwood, so have you like never seen like an episode of it or at all? No, or, no, no. Oh, okay, yeah, I've seen like a fair chunk of Everwood, um, but I never watched it regularly. I watched it on like Saturday, Sunday evenings when um, C, uh, the WB used to like air reruns of Everwood and Smallville, mm-hmm. and I want to say one other show, but they would air like re- that week's episode again, like on s- Saturday or Sunday evening. And so that's how I watched it um, periodically. Um, I liked it though; it's a good show. Yeah, the the ads did not do anything to attract sure. me. The ads were yeah. all like, uh, "Dad, I hate you. Oh, you don't understand me. I'm a musician, and as someone." Who did a lot of music i was just like uh oh, you're just in being obnoxious kid 
moody teenage boy. Now he's a successful uh, television director. Okay. Yeah, no, that's Gregory Smith. Um, he directs a bunch of like, yeah, yeah. No, I'm yeah, I'm aware, but I just meant like the the ad department let that show down hardcore yeah. because then yeah. then I it immediately turned me off. And then every now and again, I hear people saying it was good, and I was like, because mm, this was before I was really in social media. I was like, yeah, those ads look terrible. And then like after it's off the air is when everybody starts telling me that it's amazing, and you know, mm. it pops up, and then all of a sudden I'm shamed for not having seen it, which fair enough. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no. I don't think you should be shamed for that. Um, well, there's plenty of my viewing habits that I should perhaps be shamed for. But one another oversight is not the number two pick we got here, which was Life with Damien Lewis and Sarah Shai, uh, which I watched when it was on. I, cause I was like, oh, that's that guy from and I don't remember what I knew Damien Lewis from, but I, uh, from Band of Brothers. Band I think. of Brothers. Yeah, probably. Yeah. And, and, uh, and, and so I watched that one the whole time it was on. Are you, did you watch Life? I watched a little bit of it. Um, not a lot, though. Um, I think I kept I keep confusing it with the Jeff Goldblum procedural that aired, like, I think roughly at the same time or maybe a couple of years later. Um, I'm, I'm having to really stretch my memory. Like, I feel like I, I can. Is that on CBS or something? No, the Goldblum one, I think, was on NBC. As OK, well. yeah, I definitely yeah. did not watch that one at yeah. all. Yeah, it wasn't good either. Um, but yeah, I saw some of life, not all of it, though. Oh, was, I liked it though. Life was good times. Life was good times. Maybe one of these days we will do Everwood or Life. We will keep. I don't you think posted. we'd have problems finding anyone to come on for either of those. Honestly, yeah, no, it, it, they they both have been well uh, considered since they've gone yeah. off the air and and have maintained a fan base, a strong fan base. So that's that's you're you're in good company, Vincenz. Vincenz. Um, we also got a post at the website from Time Lord about Stranger Things, uh, calling us taking us to task uh, for our criticism. Criticisms of, of Billy and like what eighties eighties uh, attractive was and and, and uh, our perceptions on that so that was that was fun eighties um, the decades of, of steroids <laughs> it was Ric Flair though it wasn't Hulk Hogan or was it the Iron Sheik see I don't know any they're, 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 listeners they're talking about, and they're meaning Time Lord and Noel they're talking about who the biggest wrestling stars of the eighties were and I not like my knowledge of wrestling is very limited and it begins and pretty much ends with Stone Cold Steve Austin and the beer truck up through like a few years. So like I, some basic rock Rocky back to the gold chains and Hawaiian shirts, um, some, uh, uh, mankind, uh, uh, so, you know, like the, uh, uh, Kane and the, what's, um, what's his, it says really like not the executioner. Who is it? The undertaker. Thinking of the undertaker. Thinking of the undertaker. Um, I have a very limited knowledge. Basically, from... all the wrestlers that showed up on Psych is what you're telling. <laughs> not that that's not wrong. Uh, <laughs> there's like there's like a few year stretch of like watching my my older brothers watch wrestling that I'm familiar with, and that's about it. Um, okay, but I do did enjoy the, the the commentary. So listeners, of course, always feel free to reach out with a comment at the website thetelvers.org. We love to hear from you. Um, we should mention a few uh, topics up here at the top. Uh, the Hashtag me too uh, allegations and just like <laughs> righteous airing of grievances and harassment and hopefully in some cases pressing of charges uh, continued strong this week. So uh, we had a big one was uh, for a lot of people was George Takei being mm-hmm. uh, uh, accused of uh, sexual like, like it would be of groping and like misconduct, but like 
the assault, sexual assault. And nobody seems to be talking about this, but from the 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 accuser or the you know the the, the person who came forward, Scott Brunton, his re- like recounting also makes it sound like Decay like roofied him. Like, yeah, it sounds a little it sounds a little off in that regard. Yeah, like well, like I feel like that's also a really big takeaway here that nobody's yeah. mentioning, but that's also a significant element of that one as well. And uh, there's also, of course, in the you know this this past weekend there was like a whole like dam breaking around CW um, yeah. with the allegations uh, around uh, Andrew Kreisberg, but also. Um, uh, Mark Schwann, who is uh, the showrunner of One Tree Hill, is currently uh, showrunning the Royals and and the the cast. There was like a whole cast statement from the people who are on One Tree Hill, and then that after some days of questions, the the cast from the Royals and and the crew um, also came forward with, yeah, no, he's still doing this right now on a show that's still in production. Um, so we'll see what happens with that. But the ladies of the CW were killing it with their statements. Like when, when uh, the, the statement from Mark Guggenheim in relation to uh, Kreisberg, did oh. you read it? He Guggenheim needs to log off so badly. <laughs> well, and then it was immediately followed up by, well, in my Twitter feed, I don't know in real time how much of a, but it was pretty quickly followed up by a statement from Emily Bett Richards, like, straight up calling out her showrunner which yeah. takes a lot of balls to do yeah the, she girded the ovaries and like just was like no i'm not gonna stay quiet yeah some of that's like been established i feel like a lot of the folks on the arrowverse shows don't really give any fucks mm-hmm. um when they're complaining about their shows really like um legends of tomorrow cast was pretty vocal about how badly they didn't like how much they didn't like season one very much mm-hmm. and amel's been like really vocal since like season four about discussing how much this show kind of sucks um which is just delightful um mm-hmm. so it's sort of like i don't know quite what's happening there but it's basically it's just sort of a uh, open enough that people are willing to call out their bosses <laughs> yeah well and Ed, that's again that's really impressive melissa benoist also had made a statement and maybe even before um, Guggenheim's statement, but that was yeah, yeah, terrific. I think so too. Yeah. Uh, basically, the ladies of the CW were killing it. Th- then, of course, after they made statements, then people were like, hey, dudes of the CW, what's right. going on? Chris Wood, Monel, actually, plays Monel, had a fantastic statement, and it was mm-hmm. way better than, than what I read from, um, from Amel, which was fine. Uh, Grant Gustin's comment was very, like, wishy washy, as far as yeah. I'm concerned. Like, yes. I'm sure it's sincere, but it was like the least you could say. Yeah. <laughs> and I sort of, I feel like that was the, the just sort of the, uh, just, I, I would have liked a more bold and forthright statement, which you say what you will. Amel's statement was very straightforward. I could like, I read it. I could see his arrow delivery of like, of, of, of the, those were, you know, those sentiments, but, um, but I particularly wanted to to give some love to the ladies of the CW because that was it was heartening to see such direct you know discussion. I also saw a lot of did you see a lot of discussion around um, around the effect you know theorizing on the effect that having someone like uh, you know such as a serial um, misogynist and a, and sexual uh, assaulter i guess um in charge of these shows has had because i saw a lot of discussion around that in my feed 
No, um, I haven't been like on like in my main Twitter feed a whole lot, so I didn't see any discussion about that. Yeah, well, it was you know just this idea of um, just some of the toxic masculinity with different mm-hmm. characters on the shows, a lot around Monel too, and the idea like how much of that has just been infused from who you have right. at the top of a show is going to have a big impact and that's something that the cast of one tree hill was certainly talking about like being written being basically told they're being written off because they won't sleep with the showrunner um that kind of stuff so speaking of cw we hadn't mentioned this yet but there are several uh, allegations against uh, ed westwick of rape at least three at this point, maybe four. Um, and uh, th- but there were also allegations this this past week against Richard Dreyfus, Tom Sizemore. Andy Dick was finally fired from a job for sexual harassment because ah, that like took a little while. That's yeah, like he's that's been well known and documented yeah. for years. And yeah. then I feel like we should. Oh, the the apparently Senate family is being closed down because heaven forbid you find uh, some some people who are not going to sexually harass people to run it or, you know, give, put the, the, you know, put the business in charge, like put a, a lady in charge to run it and see what happens. Um, I'm sure they have very legitimate reasons for just shutting it down, but that's frustrating when you see like the, this conversation around Al Franken too, we can mention um, like this idea is like, Oh, we just have to have, I saw some tweet going around. Oh, clearly we just need robots in charge. Like, or, yeah, ladies <laughs> or yeah. non-binary people or people who aren't going to harass others. Like, it's, yeah, the answer doesn't have to be robots before it's not men. Right. And also you can program robots to do bad things. I yeah. mean, there's a whole other discussion about algorithms and programmings and how yeah. that can. That's a whole other thing. But yeah, robots aren't the answer. People being decent is the answer. Yeah, it's not like it's not that hard. No. You know, it's not a stumbling block. It's not a, the most challenging thing ever. Oh, uh, we I almost uh, missed uh, in the ridiculous number of, of allegations that there are that are coming out. It's wonderful, but it's ridiculous that there are this many allegations. Uh, but the big one is Jeffrey Tambor um, and he who was named by his former assistant Van Barnes and by Trace Lizette, who people know as the actor playing Shay uh, on 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 that untransparent so that's that's a huge one as far as i'm concerned and apparently yeah. like the the word is that the writers are trying to figure out how they can write tambor off the show yeah. to try to keep it going which i think is wonderful like kill off spacey and put robin wright in charge <laughs> of house of cards. i don't like house of cards but the people i do know who like house of cards would be super on board for that i feel like yeah. just because you find out that the the you know like one of your lead stars is sexually harassing people doesn't mean that everybody else should have to lose their jobs so throw them yeah, and, under a literal bus yeah and I, I just and having only watched the first season transparent i feel like it'd be really easy to do that and the show the, the show could continue fairly easily yeah yeah <laughs> without um moira slash tambor yeah yeah well we'll see what they they do but i it's certainly encouraging that that's the approach that people are taking do you have any thoughts on uh the al franken allegations i the weird thing about the franklin allegations apart from uh tweeden sort of accepting the apology um after from franken and franken also going like i think an ethics investigation should be launched on me and to which we all went oh well that would have been terrible had they 
done it without your consent. I, <laughs> one of those types of things. But also, like, I there was a Washington Post op-ed from a woman who wrote a book about rape, rape culture, basically going like, this is terrible, but we shouldn't get rid of Al Franken. Mm-hmm. And going, so it's one of those things where the hypocrisy of expectations and standards becomes an issue and within a political climate and where it becomes an issue of strategy Mm -hmm. as well. And the devaluation of Tweedon's experience and the, and what she went through and what was involved in coming forward about it for the sake of like, well, if we keep doing this to other Democrats, then they can get their seats can get filled with Republicans. And that's technically worse on a larger scale than the idea of having just Democrat predators in in office. And it's just this very weird discussion about, well, what's acceptable for this sort of a strategy? And the answer for me anyway is like, no, that's 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 this goes back to the idea of like, no, we just need decent people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and to s- suggest that just because it's one person means that their experience is somehow less that that Franken's uh, standing shouldn't be investigated or reconsidered um, just because it was just one woman let, uh, that it's come forward so far is that no, it's it's still worth reconsidering about what are expectations are for leaders and for men in general yeah well and and usually if there's one uh, person who who comes forward there are others um so we will just kind of see as that happens i do think there's a difference um between a uh a someone committing a crime which groping someone is a crime and a pattern of abuse i do think those are different um but again usually because of what is involved in coming forward with this stuff if someone does take that step to come forward it's it's likely that they're not the only person this person has ever assaulted and they just happen to have the 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 support system and the you know the the willingness to come forward like so we'll we'll kind of wait and see what happens with it but i absolutely endorse the idea of of having an open ethics investigation for anyone accused of 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 sexual misconduct or harassment or assault uh anybody who's in public office like have you seen that list of like payouts settlements from the congress i mean that's like i had no idea that was a thing that's just so upsetting (laughs) that there's like in some years millions of dollars paid off to to settle claims of harassment and as taxpayers we pay for that and we never find out what they were that's just like it just hurts my brain so capitalism and democracy are great Yay. oh my god like it's just well well hopefully something comes of it is all i can say hopefully yeah. changes are coming um from this stuff because uh, i do think that there's some of the discussion i've been seeing as well around you, you know what keeps happening is pe- this is great that people are being exposed and they're losing their jobs but you know what's not happening no one's going to jail yeah and so what we're doing is we're not changing laws we're establishing or enforcing norms and if the political experience in the united states for the past year has taught us anything it's that we cannot rely on norms eventually those norms will be broken so we need to stick to laws things need to be codified into law um but 
I think we could both keep going on this for a while. I know I certainly could. So probably we should end our conversation around uh, hashtag me too uh, here, but we'll see what the next week brings and hopefully it will bring news of some other people, you know, uh, being taken off of shows who are predators who are uh, creating unsafe work environments. And, you know, hopefully there's, there's, more announcements of ramifications coming fingers crossed yeah yeah we also had sad news this week as far as uh, tv with the cancellation of difficult people after three seasons um which is disappointing but not for me not hugely surprising um i've enjoyed the, the i enjoyed the whole run of the show and uh certainly i will miss having uh having it in the sphere and having those voices of julie klausner and uh, billy eichner just in that way, uh, this, this is such a wonderful vehicle for both of them. It's hard for me to imagine a better use of either of them, but I look forward to what they come up with next. What, what Klausner comes up with as a creator and as well as an actor, but also just, you know, maybe I just need to go to old episodes of Billy on the Street that I haven't seen yet <laughs> to get my dose of Eichner. I don't know. Uh, but in happy news, apparently Chewing Gum Season 3 is happening. Which oh, cool. was not what was originally said. They said it was canceled, but Michaela Cole apparently was talking this week and said that, that season three might actually be happening. So that's good. That is exciting. Yeah, no, I was kind of bummed out when you told me that there wasn't a season three going to be happening. So, And I didn't even see this news about a season three potentially happening. So now... Yeah. So that's exciting. Yeah, very exciting. And of course, the other big thing that broke in my news feed just right before we started recording, Noel, do you want to do the honors? What's the happy news? Season one of Steven Universe is going to come out on DVD at the end of January, Kate. I'm very excited about this. Yeah, so it's going to have the first 52 episodes, which is everything from the premiere to Joyride, which is just after um, the return and Jailbreak two-parter. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it'll be a nice four-disc set um, of DVDs. Uh, no word on a Blu-ray yet, but which is womp womp, because animation looks so good on Blu-ray, Kate. <laughs> looks so good i'm um, very much but, looking forward to yeah. uh retiring a certain flash drive that i may or may not have as a <laughs> method of getting people to try out steven universe who refused to just dive in with the show i will say no more than that to not further incriminate myself but <laughs> I, I it is very fairly odd to be the first of all that it's taken so long but yeah. that they're putting it out january 30th i mean in time for Christmas, people. Right, you're denying a ton of. You're denying like the only thing I would have asked for from someone for Christmas. <laughs> now, anybody who you know who wants this for Christmas is gonna buy it in January. Right, so, yeah. but I mean, it's. I guess it's it's easy for me to be picky because uh, I know that I can now get it on DVD. If before it was a bit, I knew it was coming out. I would have been like, when just release it. I don't care when. Just don't, I don't care how. Just release it, you know? And now that we know it's coming out, we can be like, mm, when's the Blu-ray happening? But Right. That's pretty much my response is, when do I get my Blu-ray version? Please and thank <laughs> you. And the answer is probably who knows. Yeah. So I'll probably end up buying the DVD just so I can have it. Just to know. Just to have we'll it. call it precious. So that it does well and that they'll put yeah. out the rest of the episodes too. Yeah. Um, indeed. Well, uh, this week at the end of the episode, we're talking about Lady Dynamite Season 2, which dropped last week on Netflix. So that's going to be a lot of fun, uh, but we Space should get nuts. 
<laughs> yes. Yes. Maria Bamford is space nuts. Yes. Um, so first up, though, we have our weekend TV. So let's take a break. Listen to a little crazy ex-girlfriend and come back with our weekend comedy right after this. That was It's Not About Me from Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Um, this week in comedy, we're going to talk about Jane the Virgin, Chapter 69, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, The Venue, Blackish, Please Don't Feed the Animals, and we'll round things up with Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. I never want to see Josh again. So first up is Jane the Virgin. And for Chapter 69, fittingly enough, <laughs> they, they, uh, they added in to the story and into this season, into the characterization of Adam, the revelation for Jane that he is bisexual and has had been in uh, like dating. So I'm guessing romantic uh, relationships with men in the past um, mm-hmm. as long term enough to have met the other person's friends. Cause I yeah. there's people who are, you know, who are romantically interested or sexually interested in, in various genders. Um, so you know, and not necessarily equally and not necessarily in the same way, but for Adam, um, he is uh, interested in both men and women open to connections with people of any gender. Um, well, he doesn't say that he says bisexual. So men and women, um, and I thought it was terrific to have this representation and have, I thought the treatment of the topic uh, was respectful and, and worked well in this episode. I do think that it kind of comes out of nowhere and it kind of feels like it's there just to like, like they're like, well, we should do something for chapter 69. <laughs> here's, here's, here's a great idea, idea for us to address and discuss that we haven't yet. And that's various types of sexualities. Um, Cause there have, there been any queer characters on the show? Mm, well, there's Louisa. Yeah. Um, there's Louisa yeah. and Rose, obviously, but they right. they tread close to some of like the evil lesbian tropes. Right, they do. So, um, yeah, um, I can't think of any more off the top of my head right now. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, I can't I th- think of anyone else. I think else. it's just them. Like, which I mean, not to discount that, but I can't remember. Yeah, yeah. Um, what, how did you feel like they handled? Uh, you know this this greater information about it we don't know much about adam so i mean it made right. sense that this would be something that we would learn about him um and uh you know like to meet an ex well we haven't actually met the ex but to find out about an ex and then the right. ex is a man um how did how they do uh i thought it was fine um again it feels sort of like left field for me and a way for them to s- continue to have some degree of conflict between adam and jane mm-hmm. um as jane is uncomfortable and unsure about what this means for her 
um which is a weird which is a weird approach but uh still sort of an obvious approach that's is that someone like jane would have a response like that and so but it, it felt so kind of left field um in terms of just how like very casually they dropped it um and so that that was sort of a struggle in terms of just like again we like you said we know so little about him that it's just like everything is going to sort of maybe feel a little left field because they have done zero groundwork for this character um and when they're having jane talk about how he's like didn't tell her about this and he waited so long it's like if I felt like we knew anything about Adam, I could be in there with her. But they haven't right. told us anything about Adam, right. so exactly this doesn't stand out. Yeah, no, it's just like it's a it's a new fact that we're both learning, and we, we don't know anything about Adam. So it's just like okay, next we'll find out that both his parents were Martians. I mean, I could mm-hmm. believe anything at this point. Yeah, yeah. What about the rest of the episode? I was like, I, I was glad to see Lena again. Yeah, no, I I actually sort of enjoyed the um, Lena stuff. Um, I liked uh, I liked how all of that played out. I didn't like how it sort of ended with Jane leaning in for a kiss, um, just because I felt like that was sort of a weird expense joke. Um, mm-hmm. But the actual like discussion between her and Lena's fiance, whose name I cannot remember, Steve. Yeah, I think that's the point, though. <laughs> yeah, it is partially the point. Um, but I like that he that we find out that he legitimately understands and cares about and respects Lena to a massive degree. And I think that's really cool and really nice that maybe he just needs to demonstrate that a bit more to avoid these sort of farcical <laughs> issues. But that was nice. Uh, how did that how did that work for you? Yeah, I thought it was fun. Like the the un- unfolding of that where we. Um, are very much put in uh, Jane's shoes and Lena's shoes. And then we find out that, no, he does know that murder mystery dinner parties aren't really her thing. And it, like, I thought that that it was cute. It was, uh, you know, not super surprising or anything like that. But but I think it it was nicely affirming and and let us have some cold feet, but not at the wedding. You know, like I thought it, yeah. it, it just the whole thing worked well. Um, and I would say the same thing for the Rowanzo storyline. Um, it was, again, I'm not super compelled by what they've been getting to do this season, but it was, it was nice. It was fine. Yeah, it was fine. It's kind of like the summation for everything that's been happening with Rowanzo this season is it was fine. And a lot of that, I think is chalked up to both of the actors, um, really being able to sell this kind of sell the material, but also it's just like, it's not super compelling one way or the other. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it, I liked how it sort of got tied back into Rogelio's sense of aging and not wanting to like move on with his life in a lot of ways. But it's also just like, Rogelio, you have two children. Mm -hmm. Your life has like moved very quickly already. And so a degree the degree to which you're willing to give up this particular idea of manliness um feels a little silly at this point yeah especially like you have a baby like yeah a baby (laughs) nothing will make you feel older faster than like being a older parent with an infant (laughs) yeah maybe a toddler's more tiring i don't know you have to balance no sleep versus they're constantly moving so yeah. Um, yeah, that, 
yeah the 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 comedic climax of that though where he's doing the speech at work i thought was was a good it looks like you're talking to your penis (laughs) (laughs) that's ridiculous um yeah uh so so the main thing for me though that i wanted to talk about was was the storyline with adam and you know again it's nice to see because of the different topics that jane has taken on uh around um like like immigration and uh and identity and uh sexuality as far as like um choosing to be celibate some of that other stuff it it you know as as a straight cis person it's easy for me to forget that they hadn't really talked about queer issues aside from like from from Louisa and Rose and they have so much other stuff going on that they don't talk much about their identities as as queer women as well as lesbian women um so like it was it was nice to kind of be reminded there's so much more that they can they have to talk about there's other so much more ground to cover if they want um around just identity and and day-to-day life for different types of people um so we'll see what comes of it next but i would like to meet some some at some point um, if Adam's going to be around long term, I'm way more interested in meeting some of his exes and getting a stronger sense of his history. So maybe this is a way they can do that. Yeah, that would be nice, uh, especially since they have a connection through one another, um, through like Lena's uh, fiance. Yeah, um, that would be nice. Good that excuse would be nice. to bring Lena yeah. back around too. Exactly. And Lena's always welcomed on Jane the Virgin because she's delightful. She is. <laughs> also delightful wedding planning over on Brooklyn Nine-Nine. God, we do not we deserve it Amy and Jake getting married, Kate. We don't deserve it. <laughs> this was super fun. It, the eagle versus the vulture and <laughs> and all of that that goodness. Um, any thoughts on Brooklyn Nine-Nine outside of It's Delightful? Well, uh, no, because it's delightful, and I like how much, like, the show allows Jake and Amy to acknowledge one another as, like, individuals, but also as, like, a couple. So it's just like, what if we did crossword puzzles from significant dates in our relationship? And it's just like, oh, that's very sweet. (gasps) Did you get the Nakatomi Plaza Tower cake? And it's just like, (laughs) this is all very, very good, and the degree to which they respect one another uh, to do these things for one another, but also be very much on the same page about when they're about to ruin this woman's relationship with the vulture mm-hmm. um, is just, it, it's very good. And I like that the show embraces how a happy they are together, but be how really in sync that they can be with one another, as opposed to trying to find reasons to break them up. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. I have no fear or concern that they're going to contrive right. uh, like cold feet or to break them up. And it's, that's just very encouraging because yeah. that would be very contrived and stupid. So instead, they're going to sort of route with it. And I think that's that's a good call. And it's certainly a lot of fun. Uh, OK, what about Blackish? Please don't feed the animals, which was, you know, sort of uh, it's, it's it feels weird to say this, but I feel like it's this classic Blackish. But there are five seasons in. So you know, yeah, I can say I think- that. I think you can say that at five seasons and you can say classic blackish at five seasons. Yeah. So this is a, a episode that really centers around just, you know, around the experience of people getting out of prison um, and their, their, the damage that that can do to someone being in prison, regardless of whether you are innocent or guilty and, and what that means for people who are, who are not in prison, supporting them and trying, wanting to support and what kind of support is necessary and, and appropriate and uh just the some of the the history of 
the just like the very scratching of the surface of the history of, of racial injustice and inequality in our legal system and in the prison industrial complex in the United States. Um, I thought it was a really strong episode and I thought there was a really good balance of ridiculous comedy, Ruby losing all the belts to her robes <laughs> um, completely. Like I love how like I'm laughing at like, I'm going to sexually harass the crap out of this guy, you know, things from Ruby uh, at the same time, just being so in depth and like serious about it in the real world. Uh, but so there's some great comedic stuff and then plenty of uh, really heartfelt and sincere conversations as well. So I thought it was a really terrific episode. Yeah, I did as well. And I liked that the, the discussions around inviting um... Omar. Omar, thanks. Um, I thought it was Omar, but then I was just like, no, that's the character from The Wire, like, Noel. Stop Omar being, coming? Yeah. I am, yeah. like, do you think we're going to see Omar? I think the whole point is that they didn't want to cast. Like, did they not show us what Omar looks like because they're, it's going to be a surprise guest star in a later episode? Or because that's the, the whole point is not actually seeing what Omar yeah, looks that- like? The whole point is not seeing what he looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, and that gets to, like, the merits of both of the discussions that uh, Dre and Bo have over the course of the episode of... Both of them are, like, legitimate points to be making in this situation, which is nice. There's a really nice balance to this. And I feel like that the Bo's perspective is actually given a lot more weight than it's sometimes given in these sorts of situations, especially considering how much time the discussions that Dre gets to have since he gets to have them both with Bo and then at the firm um, normally get like more airing out. Um, But I like that both were really considered um, in this case. So and I liked how it ended with both of them sort of acknowledging that they both that they needed to do something. And even if that involved massive stacks of waffles and piles of bacon. <laughs> um, so I appreciate that. And I do think that the point is that we don't see Omar at all and that it doesn't matter so much as there are response to people who are coming out of the prison system is what matters mm-hmm. not necessarily what they look like and i think that that's sort of what the episode's getting at by not showing us omar now do you want them to bring that character back or do you think they should leave the character off screen i think it's probably best to leave the character off screen unless they're going to like really start diving into this and making this like a dedicated sort of arc of mm-hmm. like multiple episodes um so if they're gonna do that then sure otherwise i don't really see a reason to it feels very much like sort of a one-off discussion for them okay yeah i think they could go either way with it um it would depend on if they're looking to add more recurring cast i'm, yeah. I'm reminded of to Diggs as uh as Bo's brother and you know the all the terrific avenues of discussion he his addition has brought to the show just with um just being all like because because he's so like i'm just gonna say life coachy <laughs> um cosmopolitan sure you know um but uh yeah we'll see we'll see if if he comes back but if, if he if the character never comes back then then it's still a terrific episode and ended in a really smart and affecting yeah. way effective both way uh any other thoughts on this episode uh, jack and diane uh the jack and diane stuff was fine i didn't i kept like zoning out anytime there was discussion of the twins because i that's how much i was interested in the actual like a plot of this episode um 
yeah. So yeah. I didn't really have a response to that. Did you? Well, or? it was fine. It was, you know, like yeah. it was, you know, it was, it was interesting enough. Like it worked well. It's a comedic subplot and to give us some space away from the, the main story. But like you said, that was the, you know, it was really compelling. It was by far the most interesting part of the episode. So I, the, the stuff with, with the twins, if it was, if it was more memorable would actually probably have detracted from my experience yeah. watching. So I think they, they put that at a really smart level. So yeah, thought, to the point where it's just like, I also forgot that there was a whole junior sub subplot. Yeah. And <laughs> until we were discussing this just now and going like, oh, right, junior, no one tells junior anything. But that feels just like a runner for the show at this point of like, no one tells junior anything because yep. he's junior. Because he's junior. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, well, let's move on to our last episode of our weekend comedy. Sure. Yeah. Comedy. Uh, sure. Kate. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Sure. Yeah. So crazy ass girlfriend. I never want to see Josh again. And like, no, this was so amazing. Like I just kept mm-hmm. watching thinking, are they really going to do this? Are they really committing to this? And the, again, once again, I was reminded of how terrific the scoring has been on this show because the use of, again, the use of silence this week, just like in the previous episode, was so powerful. And, you know, it's hard not to jump to the end of the episode as as Rebecca's sitting on the plane, taking, like, handfuls of pills to silence. Um, and you just, you keep wanting it to stop, and it doesn't. And um, it just was an absolutely gutting but beautiful in its honesty uh, episode and depiction of of uh, of depression and of uh, attempted suicide and uh, like the like when the the button changed from help to hope like I just I still I can barely like say that sentence without just choking up because it's it was so powerful and such an important message and I'm like wrapped in a, in a in a full episode that was interesting and funny and uh and brilliant and it just makes me so glad that this show exists like it's so the show shouldn't exist Noel for yeah. so many reasons and again I I didn't I wasn't that interested in the 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 songs this week yeah but though they were fun um but to to be a musical comedy on like a mini network that is both ridiculously funny and so sweet and moving and that's just with the b plots and then at the same time so uh just honest and willing to go there with its a plot with rebecca this week like i'm just i'm so glad we have this show yeah, I am too, and I co-sign everything you've just said. Um, the entire sequence on the airplane is just really well done. Um, to especially like how much is like hinges on that f- the um, steward- stewardess mm-hmm. and the whole joke of well, we have a Merlot that is the earlier Merlot we have, mm-hmm. and it's very funny, but it's also just like one of those things where. Both of us are like savvy enough to go, oh, I know where this is going sort of thing. Yeah. And like appreciating like the macabre sort of humor that the show's offering 
um, in the buildup to this. And then being able to turn on that kind of a dime very quickly. And so effectively, it just speaks to how much care that they were giving giving this particular um, bit. Even if some of it is also kind of like, I don't know that antidepressants work that quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, so to the point where she's feeling better after a couple of milkshakes. Yeah. Um, but you can uh, those kind of allowances you can make space for when the payoff is this. Yeah. And I think that that's that's what matters is that the show understands like core emotional truths and makes sure that those those get represented and displayed for the audience and shown through the characters. And that allows those kind of things to go really, really quickly and uh, work really well, I should say. And it's it's yeah, it's just really deeply emotional. And like you had two crying emojis in our notes and that's perfectly accurate because I was like sort of a small little mess uh, mm-hmm. by the end of that episode, um, by the end of that scene. Yeah. And it, it was just really good, even if and it was nicely balanced against, like you were saying, the law firm stuff of the silliness of having a Rebecca stand in. Mm-hmm. For everyone to dump their emotions and feelings into and Paula just being deeply frustrated by the fact that the entire thing falls apart without her. But God, Kate, That's game. I loved watching her family play that game oh and how God. clearly invested everyone was in the game because they weren't faking <laughs> being invested in that game by that point. They were in it to win it. <laughs> But you never want to play this game. I always have to wait for my my sister and her daughters. You you guys have all those penises. Those stupid useless yeah. penises. <laughs> oh my god, it was amazing. Yeah. It was and, and it was so necessary for the episode yeah. to be able to get as dark as it needed to get. Um and the the contrast in the levels of the different emotions, like the some of the most powerful stuff in this episode is that is how numb rebecca is and that's yeah. like that just you know what what do you have for uh if you just you don't, you can't care but you don't have the energy to care about anything and every, you know like you're all these things but you just can't even move like that like the the flurry of activity of everybody chasing the new the new hire into the pool you know you you kind of needed that energy so that you just the whole episode wouldn't be unbearable to watch yeah you know so they could be truthful to rebecca's experience while still keeping the audience engaged and open to it by giving us the breaks that we needed um yeah it was it was very well done and and written very specifically with a lot of care um from you know a writer on the show who's dealt with suicidal depression for most of his life um and uh and so like the 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 little moments that i kept seeing uh on twitter people responding to uh who deal with serious depression who deal with suicidal depression like there were a lot of them that people kept referencing and and saying like that's exactly how i felt two months ago that's exactly how i felt last year um and so it's just really it was really again i just keep going back to it was really powerful and to have this that fairy game in the same episode right as as the uh the 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 pills at the end oh man that's 
who who else can do that? That's amazing. And to to have the restraint for to have Tova Felcha but not have her sing, which is right. exactly what the episode needs. Um, and like she she wants to help her daughter so much, and but she just doesn't know how. She's doing the best that she can, but she doesn't. You know, like the some of the showrunners said on 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 Twitter, she doesn't have the tools. This is the yeah. only way she knows how to help her daughter. Um, but yeah, I'm really excited to see. Like, I if we had a TARDIS here, I'd be I would have jumped forward a week to watch the next episode uh, immediately after last week. Uh, I can't wait to see the next episode, and it's just it's it was so dark, but it was so crucial that they ended on her asking for help. Yeah, um, that's you know something that she's needed to do for a long time. And uh, apparently now she's able to ask for help, and yeah, so we'll which see is what comes a significant next. thing for Rebecca. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, we'll see how that goes. Um, so I guess like the only question I have, which is like a very jokey question, is how like seriously in shape is Tova Felcher? Because <laughs> I feel like she could probably knock me out with a sucker punch, even though admittedly most yeah. anyone could knock me out with a sucker punch. <laughs> But she has two tickets to the gun show. I also am pretty sure she would beat me at Twister. Um, yeah, I think so, too. I think yeah. she would beat everyone at Twister. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, the uh, the only other thing I'll say is that I really like that it's Audra that, yeah. like, comes in and is just like, you know something's wrong, right? Mm-hmm. And it's just like, this isn't, this isn't any of this is correct. You're smarter than this to know something is going on. And I like how they can just drop Audra in really quickly to do that kind of moment and have it pay off to the point where Rebecca knows that Audra is even as much as she hates Audra, um, knows that Audra is correct Mm -hmm. and can like pierce through that kind of stuff. So I really like that deployment of Audra in this episode as well. Yeah, it's very effective and just the, again, just the right amount of her mm-hmm. the 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 performance is just the right level of bitching. Yeah. Uh and genuinely concerned and freaked out. Mm-hmm. You know, like like there's it's again, everything is just right where it needs to be for the whole thing to come together. So, yeah. Uh well, no, what was your weekend comedy? Comedy um for comedy um uh, I'd give it to Brooklyn Nine Nine because I really enjoyed it but it's it's Crazy Ex Girlfriend just for com comedy for all the shades that it can encompass yeah um yeah I'm assuming it's the same for you yeah, well that means like it's obviously Crazy Ex Girlfriend right yeah uh and for the week in comedy it's the funny parts of Crazy Ex Girlfriend which were yeah. hilarious. <laughs> Uh, and just for a show that counts as a comedy, that is the best thing that I watched this week. That's also Crazy Ex-Girlfriend for the serious stuff, too. So, yeah, it was a terrific episode. And we'll, I, like I said, I can't wait to see what they what they have for us this week. Um, now let's take a break, listen to some more music and come back with our weekend genre and drama.
This week in genre and drama, we're going to kick things off with a little Star Trek Discovery talk because it's the mid-season finale, Into the Forest I Go. Then we'll have the exorcist darling Nikki. Uh, we'll do sort of a roundup of Legends of Tomorrow, Hello Hunt, sorry, <laughs> Helen Hunt, uh, The Flash, When Harry Met Harry, uh, and Arrow Promises Kept. Then we'll talk Supergirl, Midvale, and we'll round things up with the Queen Sugar season finale, Dream Variations. So first up is Star Trek Discovery, which had its part one finale uh, I thought this was solid. Uh, they've very clearly set up some stuff for the next half, I think, um, yeah. that I am excited about, but I'm not going to say too much about because I know a thing that oh, I shouldn't know you? through sources. So I can't okay. really talk about some of oh. what I'm looking forward to in the next half. Oh, um, is this what it feels like when I watch screeners and say, I've already seen next week's episode? Yeah. Is that what this feels like? That's what this, this feels like. not uh, great. I haven't seen them, but I know <laughs> yeah. some things, I know like at least a thing is going to happen. So I will say okay. that I, I did think that the stuff with like the writing and the performances of, I'll do this one last jump, guys. I'll do this oh, one last, and so then I'll, it was bad. It was so bad. Yeah. Um, but otherwise i thought it was a, a strong episode overall and i thought it i thought it mostly worked uh, what did you think yeah i thought it was fine um I, I i i didn't really like i care so little about what's going on with the klingons mm-hmm. that them getting blown up i just kind of went oh good i don't have to sit through three minute scenes that feel like an hour because of the ridiculousness of them having to speak in Klingon the entire time but also having to say a lot but the subtitles be very short mm-hmm. <laughs> and so it's just like okay well that's taken care of and now we're in an alternate universe or in the future or something or yeah. we're coming up on some sort of like twist of something like my money is on that we've been in that we're back in the Terran Empire and Lorca's going to fit in just fine <laughs> Um, maybe not the harem aspect. I don't think he's a big harem fella, but <laughs> I feel like he'd be very into the whole Terran Empire thing. And um, for people who don't know what that is, that is right. That's the um, mirror alt universe in which everyone's sort of evil. Everyone um, has goatees. Yeah, everyone has goatees so that you know they're evil. Mm-hmm. And like instead of the Federation, you have like the Roman Empire in space, mm-hmm. um, more or less. Um, so that's what I kind of that's like my pop theory about it, even mm-hmm. though I kind of also just don't care what <laughs> where they are or what happened to them, mainly because I they they just telegraph it way too hard mm-hmm. that they're going to end up in like the future or an alt universe of some kind. And it's just like, uh like because like you were saying i'm just gonna do this one more jump that's all i can ask of you one more jump and then i will be fine and i love you and it's just like oh my god okay and we'll go see love om how perfect is that you know and for those who don't know Anthony Rapp was an original Broadway cast member of Rent. Rent is a modernization of love om that even quotes it and so like that's I appreciated that little nod, musical theater and uh, and classical music nerd. He was like, oh, yay. <laughs> like if they had just like put a little bit of Musetta's waltz in, in the uh, scoring, I would have been even happier. But, you know, I'll take what I can get. Yeah, it was it was very, very cute. Um, mm-hmm. But it was also, again, like one of those really aggressive, heavy handed of like something really bad is about to happen. Mm-hmm. And if they kill Anthony Rapp's character, I'm just not going to watch the show anymore. <laughs> well, we will see. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I thought Burnham was badass. I liked the stuff they did uh, with PTSD around new security guy, uh, whose name I don't remember. Ash Tyler. Something. Sure. Yeah. Something, something manly. Man. Uh, yeah. Whatever. Um, but I will only be interested in that if it continues and is fully explored. So we'll see. Yeah. Um, but I did like talk about a triggering experience. <laughs> it yeah. made sense. Um, yeah. And I thought that was solid. I like that they didn't seem to be forgetting <laughs> Pavo, uh, and, and the experience that Saru had there. So again, we'll see what happens next, but I'm certainly, I'm not going to miss it while it's gone. I yeah. think I'll be glad when it comes back. I'll be interested to see what they do next, but I'm not going to miss it for now. Yeah, no, I'm the same way, and I'm going to ask you to tell me what you know um, after we're done recording. Okay, um, we'll, <laughs> we'll see, listeners. Yeah. We'll, we'll we'll see if uh, we'll have more conversation about Star Trek when it comes back for part two. But for now, we're both very excited about The Exorcist. Uh, this week's episode is Darling Nikki. Uh, I will say more than anything, I'm excited for, as we record, tonight's episode, because apparently it's a very John Cho-centric one. Mm-hmm. So even more awesome John Cho-ness. Um, I thought this was solid and, and a good, you know, of an effective use of uh, Alicia Witt as the demon or whatever is possessing and uh, certainly something like a, a strong continuation of the season. Uh, what, what stood out to you? Um, I agree with you wholeheartedly. Like John shows doing some really solid work with a lot of this. Um, um, particularly like that scene with the two priests, um, where they're sort of like politely, but not so politely interrogating and playing good cop, bad cop, um, was really, really delightful. Um, and I like how we're like added, like very much at like a tipping point. I just don't like how we got to that tipping point with the girl's mom just magically appearing. Yeah. And I just went, oh, you're just here for cannon fodder, literally. <laughs> like, you're here to get stabbed. You're here and, for knife fodder, yeah. Yeah, you're here for knife fodder, yeah. <laughs> and that's why she's there. That's, like, the only reason that she's there. And it it's to, like, escalate everything, but at the same time, it just it feels so inorganic to the rest of the show that has been very deliberately paced in a lot of its ways to have her just pop up is just like a weird sort of like rupture within the, the, the pacing of the show. So I really sort of struggled with how just magically she appeared, Mm -hmm. took the ferry, broke out of the hospital, took the ferry and got to the house without any issues. Yeah. And just like, I'm here to take you back. And it's just like, Oh, but wait, are you in a hallucination? I feel like you're a hallucination. And then, no, you're not a hallucination. <laughs> so that was, like, my big, like, stumble for the episode. But the rest of it is just really good. Alicia Witt's really, really fun. The episode has, like, creepy fucking things, like, hands coming through the bed mm-hmm. to wrap around the woman's neck. And I'm just like, no, Rose, uh... no, no, not okay, not okay. <laughs> um so it was really good. So I'm really excited to see now that everything is sort of out in the open, sort of. Mm-hmm. Um, well, pretty much all out in the open. I mean, they're levitating women now. So yeah. um, I'm really excited to see what's going to happen tonight. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, okay, next up is uh, Legends of Tomorrow, Flash, and Arrow. So this is Helen Hunt or yeah. Helen Hunt. Then yeah. When Harry Met Harry and Promises Kept. So... Okay, first off, Arrow was bad. It was bad. It was yeah. bad. And y'all know how much I love Manu Bennett, but like no one could make that stuff that they gave Slade and his son good. It was just so bad. 
yeah, they're aggressively struggling to like draw parallels between like Slade and Oliver and Kane and um, William, and it's just like it's not working. Um, and in part because I don't care about William, but also in part because excuse me, because like you said, the writing for it's just bad. Um, so it's re- it was really rough to get through all of that, as and it distracts from the fact that they got Kirk um, Avicito Acevedo. Acevedo um to play uh, Richard Dragon who that character's that character is fine in the books but uh he's just such a good actor and such a delight so I was really glad to see him on this so I was just like no just give him more to do <laughs> I also was having trouble uh with some of the like like just like with Chris Holden Reed as like Eastern European guys like you're Canadian okay you're Dyson and a werewolf you are not random Eastern European dude so that was also very distracting to me um yeah but I always do appreciate Kirk Acevedo showing up uh the I I was also very glad that we are already resolving the Diggle stuff so right like several episodes too many one episode would have been okay maybe but but at least it's getting done with Right, and I appreciated um, um, uh, Curtis being like, dude, I could have fixed this probably. I, I made a woman walk again. I can fix a hand tremor. And um, so I appreciated them ha- hanging a lampshade on that, mm-hmm. even if from a dramatic, your point about like, this is too many episodes to deal with this. From a dramatic perspective, this took too long. Yeah, yeah. But at least they've moved on. Or so far, they they're starting the progression of moving on. Uh, Flash when Harry met Harry, I really like. Yes, I know that other stuff happened in this episode. Mostly, any I, I mean, time we spend with the elongated man just makes me go like, "You wrote off Wally to do this instead." Ugh. Um. So yeah. so instead, that what that leaves me with is the various Harrison Wells, which is like as so long ago ceased paying dividends like it's like it's been diminishing returns for a long time and this i felt like just killed it when you have like like the horrible accents and like the ridiculous cyborg like kavanaugh's grounded performance was a huge part of like countering all the wackiness and other elements of the show and so to have him go full wacky too it's just like you've lost your balance completely and i was really irritated with that part of of the episode as 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 much fun as again Carlsville does just just so much to ground the show just so much to make stuff work that shouldn't so the Cisco parts of that I had fun with but the rest of it is like oh flash writers what is going on right your point about balance I think is really well taken and applicable to this episode and because they veered so far into wanting to be light and wacky that they've gone too far with that Mm -hmm. with the multiple harrisons but also with just everything they're sort of doing with um uh dibney Mm -hmm. um that is just it's a little too much and it just needs to like dial back just a couple of notches because the thing with your 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 point about like the diminishing returns of the multiple harrison wells is really well taken and your point here that it's just killed is also like totally spot on because it's dead it's very, very dead. If it wasn't dead from the German and the cyborg, it was very dead from the Hugh Hefner. Yeah. Harrison Wells, which isn't funny. Um, yeah. And Kavanaugh really sort of struggles to make anything really work with that one in particular. As much as I sort of enjoyed watching post-apocalyptic cyborg Wells 2.0 eat an iguana. Um, but I just kind of went, 
no, this isn't very funny. And also the cyborg costume just looked really cheap. It like, looked really bad. really cheap. Yeah. And it was just like, I, I know the entire point of like not get, having a second speedster on was so you could save money. Please show me where you're saving the money for something else. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then you're, but then you're spending it on an elongated man and the effects for that. Right. Like, but I think that's cheaper. Yeah. Uh, apparently. Okay. <laughs> but uh, just like, again, this is why the conversations around, hmm, having a uh, misogynist as your showrunner and one yeah. of the, the big overseers of the Arrowverse. Maybe that's part of why we have Wally written off and we have a funny sexist, funny misogynist, yeah. Dibney written on. And though, isn't it so funny? He's being sexist. Like, no, that's no. not charming. It's not funny. Just, I, just identifying women by their measurements is like, again, a like, couple few hundred steps too far. Yeah, well, it's like, and, and yes, they have them. They, they go, oh, they, they have the character go gross and react and be grossed right. out. But that's not it's still a joke it's still intended as a joke and Mm -hmm. that's not funny and this is the character that you're that you like feel the need to introduce this is what you find entertaining this is what you find wacky and goofy and fun and light right and there's a way to do this sort of a character as this skeezy slime ball without this aspect to him Mm -hmm. and then they're just like no we need to double down on the strip club stuff from last week yeah yep yep Okay, Legends of Tomorrow. Don't get me wrong. Where do you want to start with this? I will uh, always enjoy Hedy Lamar popping up. Yes. But, and being a, like a piv- sort of pivotal subplot. But then let her do tech stuff. Don't Yes, just, exactly. Like, why do you bring Hedy Lamar in and be like, I'm going to invent stuff one day? And then not yeah. actually have her get to play with the fun tech. Just say yeah. one offhand thing. That makes the characters realize something that everyone watching knew was going to be the resolution to the body swap. Yeah. And just, ugh, it was so irritating. Though I'm glad that it, for some viewers, I'm sure, drew their attention to Hedy Lamar also being one of the, the pioneers that led to, in, in technology that led to, like, Bluetooth and cell phones and all this stuff. Um, yeah, it still was, you know, frustrating as a viewer. The Helen of Troy was not white, yeah. Troy was not in Greece either, the way they have her. Do- it was in Turkey. So, why the blonde lady? Come on, guys. Come on. Yeah, no, it's deeply frustrating. And it's it, it, it demonstrates like a lack of. It, it ends up demonstrating an anachronism and an assumption about, like, history, which is really delightful in a time travel show in which they're trying to fix anachronisms. Yeah. And you're just like, but you just made a massive mistake with this. Also, to, like, like piling on, it's just like, it appears that she's acting in a silent film. It's 1937. Yeah. Those were pretty much done by 1937. I mean, they were occasionally still happening, but they were done. <laughs> well, and like, also, did they forget that Sarah's bi? Did yeah, they- no, like, a Helen's Helen's lure only extends to straight men, apparently. Has no effect on ladies. Like, if they want, like, I was just, I just kept waiting for, like, the yeah, wink from Sarah, and then she yeah. gets right back to her business, because, you know, she's badass competent captain lady but like i just just kept waiting for that and and nothing or for for or for helen to come on to sarah you know and 
nothing. Though I did no, think I the, kept waiting for it too. Yeah, the little ending of oh, she gets dropped off at the mascara. It was fun, um, yeah. but but overall, like there were some some nice little entertaining bits in there. Damien Dark as an agent is like delightful. Well, yeah, that's very appropriate. Uh, but but yeah, it's just like come on, guys. Like this is this is niche. Like this is wheelhouse legends. And yeah. and I felt like they could have done like it was fine. Body swap Martin and Jax. Like it will good shock, idea. Terrible execution. It will shock but... no one that like like I get what they were doing. The actors were doing. Yeah, um, but it didn't work for either of them. Like Victor Garber's worked better. Except yeah. when he tried to change his accent, like, why would he have a different accent? Yeah. But, okay, sure. Uh, yeah. Like, how we make sounds is down to our muscles and, like, our brain saying, like, like it's it's speech patterns through your muscles. It's not through your, just through your brain. But anyways, okay. Well, I, yeah. we've talked about this too long. Any other thoughts on any of these three? No, just like it was sort of a lackluster week um, for these three shows. Uh, they all had like not great episodes this week. But how did you feel about Supergirl's trip back home to Midvale? I actually really liked this. I thought it was super charming. And I thought they, mm -hmm. they did a terrific job with casting. Oh, God, it was such a good casting. Young Kara <laughs> and young Alex. That was mm -hmm. super fun. Um, yeah, I, I actually they, they telegraph the cop like pretty hardcore but it was the performances were, were really good the 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 delivery of like like just like the where they put their relationship at various points in the episode i thought worked really well and um it was it was a nice break from everything yeah it was and um your point about like the casting um was just i couldn't stop staring and going like yeah no those are both young versions of those actors and i don't remember the last time i've ever said that about these sorts of episodes mm -hmm. um so i really enjoyed um that aspect of the episode i was a little weirded out that smallville is canon now uh -huh. um <laughs> um at least on this earth yeah. um uh, that was a little weird um because it also means that there's an oliver queen on this earth and yeah. that <laughs> Chloe and Oliver Queen in this earth, which means Oliver Queen on any earth always has a thing for blonde tech ladies. Which and I mean, I'm okay with that. Yeah, no. So there's just a like there's a lot to unpack with the sudden canonization of Smallville, but it's 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 fun nonetheless. But it also means that there's room for you know Rosenbaum to show up as Lex Luthor. I guess I don't know now. I'd be uh, I'd be down for that. I would be down for that as well. I think that would be really fun, but. Yeah, no, so this was just a really fun little episode, and I liked, I would have liked more with, like, c present age, mm -hmm. Alex and Kara sort of, like, sussing this sort of stuff out between the two of them, as opposed to the flashback, mm -hmm. um, but I liked how it ended with them, like, getting onto the truck, not the truck, getting into the car, the song playing, I liked how all of that played out. I just wanted more from the two of them since, as we've discussed, how central they are as, like, an emotional core of the show. Yeah, no, definitely. And, uh, yeah, I just, I didn't miss any of the other cast at no, all. No, no, no. So I, I kind of miss Jean a little bit, but, like, I, no, no, not a lot. He still showed up, and I, it was nice yeah. to see him keeping tabs, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and being there when they needed him before they even knew him. So yeah, it's nice. Yeah, it was it was a, it was a nice episode and a good like 
a good way to respond to the emotions of the previous episode too. It was like, mm-hmm. again, the flashing back, let us not dwell in the current emotions too much. It let us, you know, sink into the procedural. <laughs> so uh, our last episode for our weekend genre drama is Queen Sugar, which has season two finale dream variations. Um, okay. Two, three main things. Okay. Uh, the execution of them writing out Darla, I thought actually went really well considering our concerns yeah uh number two uh the they need to really not go anywhere with with nova and remy that was creepy and weird and number three do we really need to go full walter white already in season the season two finale for charlie because that's what like i'm causing the pain like that that was the i'm the man i'm the one who knocks that's what that was it's just you know i we're not we're supposed to take her seriously at least more seriously than we take walter when he says i'm the one who knocks so those are my three big like takeaways aside from everything with blue was amazing and everything with vi and hollywood was amazing Pine Hollywood are my life. Mm-hmm. Um, they're so good. Um, and I cannot wait to see what their wedding is going to be now that they have so much money. <laughs> uh, it's going to be the best wedding ever. Mm-hmm. Um, no, so let's let's just go in order. Um, one with Darla. Yeah, writing her out in this fashion, or at least for the time being, worked fine. I still feel like a lot of it is really circular. Yeah. And um, so that scene at the pool was sort of like a drag. And I also kind of kept yelling, just do a paternity test. This is not difficult. Everyone. It's just like, this is not a thing that is difficult to resolve, at least in terms of a biological sense Mm -hmm. uh, that seems to really be a massive hang up right now. This is really easy to fix everyone. Mm -hmm. But we're not saying these words. And it's very weird that we're not saying these words. Um, but the entire scene is generally really well done, even if, again, it feels emotionally really circular. Um, as for what was number two, number two was Remy and Nova and yeah, it's creepy and it's weird. And I did not like it, even if as it was happening and I thought about it and I went, this sort of makes sense with where they end up with Remy, at least Mm -hmm. in terms of. Remy has always represented the community uh, as like a liaison for Charlie in a lot of ways. And that has been Nova's whole shtick for these two seasons. And so this idea of the two of them sort of connecting through that in that I really don't feel like the two of them have ever had just a scene by themselves. Yeah. It made a kind of sense even if I do not want it to happen because it's very weird and... Well, and they don't have that kind of chemistry. And they don't have that kind of chemistry either. It feels very motivated by, like, emotional imbalances that are happening in both of their lives, plus whatever they were drinking at the engagement party. (laughs) Yeah, well, like, because Nova has, like, amazing chemistry with her romantic partners on this show. Uh, Like, short-term and long-term. She does not have that chemistry with Remy. And if you want it to be a very different kind of relationship, fair enough. But that is not like, I don't think that works. I think like toying with that idea of like, oh, what about these two? No, you know what? I don't think we work that way. I feel like I could see them asking that question to themselves if they get closer. But 
the the show needs to keep them platonic because they work i I can see them working really well platonically but not romantically yeah no i absolutely agree with you um so as for number three with um charlie yeah it's really sort of there's a lot to do with charlie i feel like and a lot of it is still kind of shrouded in a desire to create infighting between the landrys and the bordeaux um that i don't think quite lands especially with how that plot ends up resolving or at least appears to resolve in this and the whole kind of walter white scheme i'm for it I'm interested in it because I think that it's an interesting way to take Charlie. And I think she's been through so much, uh, especially this season that um, I like the concept of it. I'm not sure I'm like fully on board with the execution of it in part again, because I keep balking at the whole concept of everyone bailing based on some rumors yeah, and not going like, no, there's all these things, but I like that the show sort of addresses that, as the point of like Remy being like, the community is not going to support you on doing this. And Charlie just going like kind of the community. They're the ones leaving me. It's like, I've got three farmers and one of them is my brother. So the community already left. (laughs) Yeah. No, the community is already like packed up and left me Mm -hmm. and over nothing over something I kept telling them was not the case. So I really liked the show acknowledged that the disconnect between these two perspectives, but the degree to which she becomes sort of Machiavelli in her plotting, I think happens a little too quickly. And that's like the demands of the plot. And Jacob's just still super creepy, Mm -hmm. super, 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 super creepy. And he skeezes me out. Kate skeezes me out. Um, And that's also because I keep going, but Harry Connick Jr. could sell all this way better than this actress. Um, <laughs> I think the actress does a good job because I think that's the whole point. Yeah, no, that's the whole point. But I also know Harry Connick Jr. does this kind of creepy really well. Okay, so you just want keep, you just want to see Harry Connick Jr. I just role. want to see Harry Connick Jr. do it instead. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. And then maybe he could croon at a piano just for funsies because you know how I I want characters to randomly sing just i know and that's what that's that's why i kind of also went with harry connick jr because i knew that was my in <laughs> okay um well any other thoughts on this episode of the season and you know where where we find ourselves in at the end of the second season um i feel like we're like in a definite sort of transitiony point uh, as opposed to the continuation point which is where we found ourselves at the end of season one um of uh, everything sort of like has been shaken up a lot in terms of character relationships and dynamics um that have been established over the uh first course of these two seasons so aside from hollywood and vi because they are the rocks upon which everything else is built Mm -hmm. um so um i'll be interested to see like how the business uh side of things comes out but i mean we've got davis and his medical condition waiting in the wings uh to like continue to muck up the gears and kate's making a face everyone dear listeners of like (laughs) she does not care and she could be very fine with davis never ever coming back to which i think all of us go yes (laughs) (laughs) well i you know i I really actually enjoyed the way that they've handled davis this season i think that's one of the the well, just it just shows again that this, like the writing team and like Ava DuVernay as the showrunner and creator and 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 the writers, their their priority of 
human rounded characters. And even like other than the Landry's and the Boudreaux's, no one is a caricature. Right. Uh, the way, like, I love the way that they set you up and then almost shame you for expecting, and Ralph Angel, looking first at different drug dens before going to the pool. And, yeah. of course, Darla's at the pool. Um, like, I, I love the way that they've, they've handled her this season and, and maybe question the audience uh, to or push the audience to question their own instincts about how this character gets written, like this type of character on other shows, and what you know, like that this is this is a person with this experience, and yeah, usually on TV, character with like who's an addict who, who you know ab abandoned their kid, uh, like gets written a certain way, shows up for a few episodes for very specific purposes, but. This is also a person that exists in the world and you should have respect and care for that person as well. The way that they challenge the viewers with, uh, with Darla and the, they feel like they also really did it with Davis this season. Um, and while I don't forget, I have not forgotten, forgotten that he is a rapist and that he is uh, an abuser. He also is a really good father to his son through a hard time this season. It's both. And, uh, that continual embracing of complexity is, is just part of why this is such a beautiful and nuanced and interesting show. And certainly one of the best shows on TV, this, the, the, yeah. the, like this fall, certainly in the conversation for best shows of the year, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, it was pretty high up on my list last year, so I wouldn't be surprised if it was high up again this year. Yeah. Okay. Well, what wins your week in genre and drama? It's 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 Arrow, isn't it? Oh, yeah, no, it's totally Arrow. I love all of everything that they did um, this week. No, um, I'll give it to Queen Sugar's uh, finale this week, um, mm -hmm. since I won't be able to like give it to Queen Sugar for like another year. Um, so I'll give it to Queen Sugar. Uh, what about you? Between everything with Hollywood and Vi and finding out why Blue got his name, of course it has to be Queen Sugar. It was lovely and beautiful and... I'm going to miss this. Sh I'm not missing Discovery. I'm going to miss Queen Sugar so much until it comes back. Yeah, I am too. Oh. <laughs> now we'll take a break and come back with our spotlight on season two of Lady Dynamite. I want us to work together again, Maria. I want to tell the story of your life in bingeable installments. It will be so unbelievably inventive and groundbreaking in its comedy that alt comedy Twitter will choke on its own and here is the cherry on the streaming Sunday. We will focus on mental illness and we will destigmatize it forever. Yes! Ah! I'm finally in a healthy relationship. And my mentals are pretty stable. It's pretty great. Living with someone is hard. It's all about how you handle it. Mm -hmm. bottle of water up here. I am just uh, wobbly and hot like a flan. Magic right there. Use your 
mother look wrong, bitch. Coming up on the devil. What kind of upside down world am I living in? Is this a season two of Stranger Things? That was the trailer for this recent season two of Lady Dynamite on Netflix. Of course, the show starring Maria Bamford and uh, really diving in with mental health and with this very specific world of uh, of Lady Dynamite. Like, I, I don't know. It's like, how do you describe <laughs> Lady Dynamite? Right. No, like especially in season I, two. I, I, I have no way to describe Lady Dynamite to anyone that has not watched it before. It's like uh, the ultimate, like, I really like the show, but I don't think I know anyone I can recommend it to. <laughs> no, there's literally no one I can recommend this show to that isn't already watching it. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, which is good, though, um, because it means I have a very set number of people I get to talk about it with. And so, yeah. So what did you think about this season um, in terms of, like, what it was about? And what it wanted to discuss, and it's it's in its structure as well. Yeah, I thought it was again. I thought it was really fun. I was immediately right back in the world of Lady Diamond, mm-hmm. like changing up the structure somewhat, but also maintaining the three time period approach. I thought worked well. Uh, I I was surprised how quickly I slipped back into like the storytelling method or style yeah. of the show. Uh, but but I really did. It was it was I was right back in the world, and uh, the performances were terrific. Once again, I thought going from twelve episodes to eight episodes was a good call for yes. the story they wanted to tell this season. And I do think that uh, I I think season one was more affecting for me. It was I think overall more daring and successful. But I do think season two is also really, really good and uh, super like ridiculous and funny. Like, I will always, I will always appreciate fake Werner Herzog Bert, you know, and uh, <laughs> some of the other trappings of the show. Uh, so, so just going right back into the specific and <laughs> colorful world of. Lady Dynamite. Because I want to say Maria Bamford, but I don't mean comedian Maria Bamford. I mean character Maria Bamford right. uh, was was really delightful and fun and thoughtful, thought provoking and thoughtful, uh, giving us right back in with Karen Grisham. Right away, I was like, wait, seriously? That's okay. Apparently, it's still a thing. Um, Fred Melamed continues to be just hilarious. Uh, I liked that they kept Scott as a thread through the season. Uh, you know, like the different time periods that we got this time with like how ridiculously 80s everything is in the 80s segment, like how heightened and absurd things are in the, the past and in the future uh, worked really well with how comparatively um, straightforward the present was. And just the whole thing, it's just this sort of, meditation on mental health and on identity and on day-to-day life that I, you know, the challenges that come with being someone who is just all the things that Maria is in the show. So she's, she has bipolar two, uh, right. Or is it bipolar one? It's two. It's two. I believe they talk about it on the show very specifically. Um, but, but also, uh, like, a complete people pleaser and like like self-loathing egomaniac at times like all these different things like the again 
the specificity of the performance and the the way the characters are drawn is something that I really appreciate. And the fact that it's wrapped in this absurd candy colored bubble at the same time is just for me, it just there's no other show like Lady Dynamite. And I think that's really appropriate for Maria Bamford and obviously the, the creator, co-creator, uh, Pam Brady and and Mitch Hurwitz. Like it just makes so much sense and it's so fun and so just specific i don't really i don't know how to dive in so i'm gonna stop talking and you can let me know what you thought of season two right so i I do agree that i think season one is a little more affecting um Mm -hmm. than season one season two is but i think that that's sort of like on purpose given sort of the meta commentary that they have in the future segments about musk vision uh Yeah, which is the show stand in for Netflix wanting an algorithmic appropriate show about mental health that will make Twitter choke on its own jizz. Um, Kate's making a face, but I mean, that's exactly how they frame it. That's that's what it is. I'm just like covering my eyes. I'm just like, I really can't recommend the show to anybody, like any of my family. Like my sister would be like, okay, no, I get it. Like, it's not a me show, but I get that that's a kate show but i'm not interested like she wouldn't like judge it really but my other family members i think pretty much all of them would just be like this is this is terrible what's wrong with you and you're strange if if they got to the end then you've got anna goster's character saying that she's jilling off to toy story while her tesla is driving itself and it's just like no there's only one person who can make that line funny and it's her (laughs) but it's also just like we have crossed a line (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. if we hadn't already we've definitely crossed it now but (laughs) i think that the that the larger point about trying to find stability is really what's driving this episode and an appreciation for the fact that the show's Maria has achieved that to a large degree and she's trying to keep it while still trying to make other people happy is allows the show to not be it has a like a degree of mundaneness that I really responded to and I really appreciated that the show embraced in a lot of ways mm-hmm. and from dealing with no, your debt is now my debt. We deal with this together because you live here. <laughs> we need to talk about this. And 57 notices of overdue, it's not okay. <laughs> so we're going to hire Embezzler to help us. It's just like, <laughs> who can't see the number seven? And yeah. it's just, it's very good. And it's very funny and very ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But it's all extrapolated from things that feel very real, like discussions about these sorts of finances mm-hmm. or discusses discussions about... Don't the feed the raccoon. Of- don't feed the raccoon or like, like the size. Oh no, Maria of... did that. Right. Maria did that. Um, or like the discussions about weddings and mm-hmm. how that fits and who weddings are for. Yeah. And just all this sort of stuff I think is really, really good and really fascinating to watch that get um, blown into a sort of Mad Max without all the dust <laughs> um, sort of situations. And I really appreciated that that's how they engaged with it. And so, like, the present day stuff all really worked with me really, really well. And so watching the past stuff in Duluth in 87, 86, 
And then the future stuff, which wasn't technically the future, but like an imaginary situation that Maria conceptualized in her head upon seeing an orange as the new black orange uh, colored blazer for wow. Musk vision. Wow. Lady blazer <laughs> power. Um <laughs> I, I liked how those things complemented all of this, and so it all worked generally really well. I liked the future stuff more for all the pot shots and that they take at Netflix and the meta-ness of it, mm-hmm. and also the fact that the that there's this deeply meta moment of breaking the fourth wall to break the fourth wall to discuss season oh, one. Oh, I loved that so much. And it was very <laughs> good because it's just like, yeah, no, we did too many blowjob jokes. And also there's an art to blowjobs and we didn't really appreciate that. Two, yes, the racism episode was really bad. We're in all, all white writing room and we, we made a mistake doing that episode. <laughs> what did you expect? What did we expect? And then uh, something with a trans character, um... I feel like, and then I don't remember what the fourth thing she discussed was, but I like it, how it was it, with the it was the bisexual drug addict, bisexual yeah. character, yeah. right? Yeah. Um. So I liked how all of that like allowed space for them to comment on the failures of the other show, but also like make a joke of like, who are you talking to? This is the first season, <laughs> and that kind of thing. Even if um um what's her name has like totally worn out her welcome, and I never ever want to see her in the show again. Oh. Mo Collins as the friend. Yeah, Mo Collins' character um, yeah. is just like has played her part as as delightful as she is. She has played her part, mm-hmm. um, and I don't need her back. But I, I I liked how comparatively quiet this was compared to the first season. And as much as I wanted more Bruce, because I always want more Bruce, mm-hmm. um, he's deployed really well here, considering she's wanting to take as big a step back from her career as she is. Yeah. Well, and, and like, again, he's used very well mm-hmm. in the future stuff, too. Like Andy yeah. Samberg. Oh, God, all the Andy Samberg stuff Can, is really, really good. The <laughs> highlight, though, if we're going to talk about a performance, the highlight of the season, I think, uh, comedically, it has to be David Spade. <laughs> it's was, the best use of David so Spade good. ever. It's, <laughs> no, it's delightful because it it totally needles his entire persona of like, I just always assume you're being sarcastic, which is basically the David Spade persona, mm-hmm. but it's played really effectively here in a way that doesn't feel like aggressively like insidery or anything. It's just like, no, this is what it's probably like to know David Spade. And yeah. I am okay with all of this. It's very good. But I like that he transpose he projects that onto Maria instead. Yeah. And I like I it's like the best use of David Spade of all time. Well, and I do like the idea of like it gives us such a window into Maria Bamford of this idea of like you know how you feel about David Spade, yeah. That's how I David feel Spade feels about Maria Bamford, and that yeah. got me. That got me thinking. I was like, yeah, because she does all those different voices and is really good at it. like I would never be able to trust that she was actually being sincere. I'd be like you're yeah. messing with me. I don't know how, but like you're being really sweet and everything. But like I just I would just I could totally see spiraling like that. Oh, I thought it was brilliant and super funny and a much better use than like I, Patton Oswalt in season one and some of the other people who've popped up, uh, which it was funny. It worked in season one, but like yeah. thought this was a way better deployment. Yeah. 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 Even as even if I really wanted more Andy Samberg killing Bruce Ben yeah. Backrack. Our and best just friends him. just changed the dental records. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so. I really appreciated that. Um, I guess like the only thing that I've 
I am not entirely sure about is the women in Hollywood Council, um, mm-hmm. head up by Jill Soloway. And um, I don't know why there's a sword. Yeah, um, there's no need and, for there to be a sword. Right. But like that entire playthrough, I didn't like track really well. And I'm not sure if I was supposed to track it very well. well as opposed thing. to like, yeah. It immediately falls down. But then when you realize that it's like her projecting all this stuff yeah. in a second, yeah, yeah, yeah. then for me, it makes a kind of dream logic sense. It's like, mm-hmm. of course, there's a sword. Why wouldn't there be a sword? Your awakening thing from a chamber is going to end the world. Like, there's always a sword. Uh, and, and I was really willing to go with that. I think a big part of that was because of the camera style and the way it's shot. Like, immediately, all of the future scenes have are, like, sort of wavery and, like, just feel like a manic episode. Like, yeah. the way that the show has depicted that in, in previous seasons. And so it's their way of keying, you know, t- you know tapping you into it immediately you shouldn't trust this what you're seeing and so i know for some viewers they felt like they that was you get to the end oh none of that was real it was a waste of all of our time you're just trying to pull fast one of the audience and and get some wackiness in there but for me for me that totally it worked and i also can totally imagine maria bamford projecting the specificity down to like the costuming and who she gets replaced by in like when she has to tap out and take a nap you know like like all these like i can absolutely see the specificity and only at the very end does it start to unravel a little bit um and yeah i i I thought that for me that that really worked um so i didn't care why there was a sword i love that it was mir savino by the way (laughs) <laughs> yeah it was very good but i they're but with like her accent from season one right yeah so no that was really great and then like sarah wright olsen popping up as the maria stand-in is mm-hmm. really delightful and the resolution of that of a woman laughing while eating a salad mm-hmm. um of the woman she's murdered um <laughs> is just really very good um so no it was it was again a really sort of strong season that i think is a lot in a lot of ways, despite sort of the broadness, especially of the future stuff, feels like a little subtler um, Mm -hmm. than season one. And I really appreciated, like, the maturation of that. Yeah. Well, and because it's mostly, it's about a character, about a person not spiraling into destructive behavior. Right. And And, resisting that. And that's, that's a very different story. Yeah. And that's very different than what season one was. And so I think being just like going with that and, 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 and subverting that like, Oh, it's another season. So we have to set the heights higher and the lows lower. I'd like that. They didn't do that. I think they're helped by having fewer episodes with that. But, but then like this idea, like you, again, you never, I never doubt Scott at all through the whole season and that stability of that, of that connection and that relationship. And I think that's really essential for getting, for stabilizing everything else and letting it like be this more look at life rather than a look at a character who doesn't, who's not stable and who's, who's being self-destructive. Um, so I thought that that, that approach was, doesn't have, you know, the, the, the blanket, the SOS blanket, you know, from some of those really painful moments from season one, but I don't need to always see my characters get like destroyed every season. You know, it's nice to not see that. Um, I also, before we run out of time here, I need to mention once again, just as I said for season one, the scoring in season two is 
fantastic. I loved all the stuff like the like the sitcom scoring for Duluth was yeah, just, very good. It's so good. Um, and, and that's something like season one had a lot more songs. Um, mm-hmm. season two didn't have that in the same way but it's the same really terrific it's the same composer who does at least season one was who does the good place um mm-hmm. it did arrested development and so the, this is not a surprise that it's again for me a highlight of of the of of my viewing but it's that same you can tell with the show just like in some of the other shows that i really that are really specific and that i really appreciate there's a appreciation at a very deep level from all, all the different departments. So yep. in the costuming, in the set design, in the sound design, in the scoring and all of that, you can tell people really love this show and are really going that extra mile for it. And for me, that really helps add layers of nuance and, and helps make it like, I could watch these episodes another two, three times. And I know I would keep finding new things. Like apparently the first time, in the future that that uh Karen Grisham is directing the back of her chair already says space nuts even though it's not said that's in space very yet. good that's so, like, very good there's stuff like that throughout the show and right. and and that attention to detail is because everybody who's doing the show isn't they're working for a paycheck but they're not only working for a paycheck yeah um, I, you always you can feel the shows where that's the case yeah no and it's really nice to see that as like Bamford's talked about um, the degree, the amount of like emotional toll that doing and physical toll that doing a television show like was taking on her mm-hmm. and the degree to which she was just like, I'd much rather just work like 10 hour days, please. And thank you mm-hmm. um, is something to acknowledge. And like when you consider stuff like what happened with the guy who plays like Archie over in Riverdale and the fact that he f- apparently like fell asleep at the wheel and got into a car accident mm-hmm. because of like the very long hours that they have to log every time, every day. And the degree to which that the, television model both streaming but also broadcast cable etc enforces that kind of um behavior and work environment um isn't the best for maybe everyone that they're being paid to do this but at the same time the degree to which that's worth it comes into question which bamford has also discussed and that she didn't want to be paid to be miserable yeah so and i think that comes through with the show and to the point where it's just like a lot it is all really lovingly constructed but it's also like there's enough little jokes of like i had all my real life friends come in for this and we're all <laughs> gonna say our our one line all at the same time so that there's room for all of us and jokes about well no we can't we actually can't afford this <laughs> and so i really appreciated like how all like the production aspects of it came into play and so I liked how it becomes about the show in a lot of ways. So it's very good, even if I'm pretty sure that Mitch Horowitz isn't that ripped in real life. <laughs> yeah, not not everyone can be Tova Felcha, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, uh, on that note, any final thoughts? I mean, we both said that we can't necessarily recommend this show. <laughs> like, I yeah, recommend yeah. the show, but only if this is the kind of show that you're interested if you're interested in depictions of mental health if you're interested in uh very specific comedic voices if you're a fan of bamford or fred melamed or these other you know like mary Kay place is again terrific um Mm -hmm. it was nice to see like to spend more time with the dysfunctional relationship between maria's parents 
which I yes. feel like we didn't get as much in the first season because of when it was set, the the flashbacks. Yeah. Um, so, you know, like, that's who I'm recommending this to. And if you're not sure if this is for you, watch the beginning of the season premiere and you will immediately know yeah. if it's like too much for you, then then fair enough. It's not for everyone. Yeah, and I, I, I can, like, acknowledge that it's sort of too much for me. Like, I did, like, four episodes all in mm-hmm. a sitting, and I just went, that was a mistake. <laughs> um, I can do, like, two in a sitting, and then I, like, need a break, but I did not take a break, and I just did four all in one go, and I just went, that is that was a little much. That was a little too much for Noel. Um, but it's still something that if I know your tastes well enough, I can, like, push on to you <laughs> yeah well and it's also it's a dent because of the few episodes it's a denser season two you yeah. don't have the same kind of like just lingering with brandon Ralph being ridiculous that we right. got in season one it's oh, a, that was very good is <laughs> and again that scoring the sacks every time yeah. like just the turnaround like terrific brandon Ralph only comedy only comedy you know casting people out there um anyways uh well we should wrap up then our conversation on lady dynamite season two a few show notes here at the end of the episode you can find a post for this episode over at the televerse.org which is the website for the podcast you can leave us a comment over there be like time lord leave us a comment tell us about how we're wrong about 80s uh sex symbols we'd love to hear about it as the rest and the rest of uh, the week's TV and TV related conversations. You can also email us at televerse at gmail.com. You can uh, reach us on Facebook, uh, like the page, start up a conversation there, or uh, find us on iTunes with an M4A chaptered feed and an MP3 unchaptered feed, as well as over on Stitcher. We'd appreciate ratings and reviews. Um, and then we're both on Twitter. I am at the televerse, and Noel, you are? At Noel RK. Thank you, Noel, as ever. Thank you, Kate. And thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode of The Televerse.